3: All welcome to the Celtics Lab Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Tuttabai. I'm joined by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. This is, at long last, our mailbag. I don't think we branded this super wonderful winter hat giveaway mailbag episode du jour. Um, Bill Russell designed getaway, giveaway. Oh yeah, that's true. He does technically have um, some creds here. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. if you're listening to this podcast, you might be aware that we are doing a giveaway. And what we did was we launched a mailbags. So we used our Twitter, at Celtics Lab on Twitter, to reach out to all the homies. And the homies wrote back, and they asked a bunch of really wonderful, really thoughtful questions, a lot of which have to do with Rob Williams. I think that people are ready to see Rob Williams. Um, and we picked a winner based on a super secret formula that we can't share. Um, so later in the episode, we will read your mailbag questions, and we will announce the winning question. But first, Alex and Justin, how are you?
0: Doing great. Uh, it's been a, a solid week for me. Um, if you like the song that you heard at the top of this podcast, follow Divine Sweater on Instagram, Twitter, wherever. There's there's TikTok lots of stuff coming.
1: The biggest
3: biggest name in TikTok, yeah. Doctor Quinn. How are you?
1: Uh, I finally have keys to that legendary, long, hard to believe in apartment. So, uh, if you like this background, uh, and if you do, I'm worried about you. Uh, don't get used to it.
3: Yeah. Hopefully this mailbag giveaway brought in some new listeners. So let me explain a few things. First of all, we're on YouTube. So if you're listening, Justin (laughs) was referencing a visual. Um, Second, we love to warm up by offering the mundane details of our little lives. So um, we know you're super interested. Yeah. I was five minutes late to the podcast because I was playing with one of my cats. How's that? All right. Before we get to the mailbag, we got to do the news. There is actual important news. And since we last talked, Al Horford signed a two-year, 20-ish million dollar extension. I think it's just under 20 million flat, it's like 19 change. Um, he did also immediately get COVID, so he is out for at least the next few days, I think. Anyways, um, apropos of the COVID, Alex, what do you think of the extension?
0: Um, I thought the extension was great. I thought it was exactly the right number. Um, You know, it was something that we talked about a lot at the beginning of this season. And I think that was right around where I felt most comfortable giving Al an extension. It's a little bit of a hometown discount, but um, he's locking up the next two years of his career. And he's mentioned in articles and other interviews, things like that, that he's probably not going to play for much longer than two more years, I think. It's fair to say that this might be Al Horford's last go with the Celtics. This next contract, um, but you know, it's it's a deal that is both good for Al and good for the Celtics. It squeezes them right into the range where they can probably afford to keep Grant Williams on an extension from around anywhere from fifteen to eighteen million dollars, uh, maybe twenty, depending on how things go. But um, I think for for the financial purposes. It it gives the Celtics just enough wiggle room to keep this core together and still give the more expensive by the day Jalen Brown max extension that is presumably coming when he makes All-NBA this year, which seems increasingly likely with every passing game. So. It's a good deal for the Celtics. Um, It's a great deal for Al Horford, uh, who I think by all accounts was really excited to be a part of this team. He clearly wants to retire here. He thinks that there's something special going on with this squad. And, uh, you know, I'm happy for him because I think uh, based on, you know, kind of hearing him talk in interviews and other things like that, you know, it it seems like um, this is where he wants to be. I don't
1: have too much to add to that. Other than if the Celtics ownership wanted to pay more, they could. Uh, But, you know, historically speaking, this is about the percentage over the cap that we've seen them go to when they've tried to compete in the past under the same owners. So it's pretty reasonable that that's about where it's going to land. And, you know, as a certified um, Al uh, Horford homer uh, here, I think it is an ideal deal for him and the Celtics. Uh, If he I would say it is very much a hometown discount because. He was probably looking at about that much in one year if there was a team that wanted him uh, and had the cap space to sign him, which, you know, there's it's probably not going to happen. He's probably not going to be at the top of the list of, of such, you know, uh, free agents, but it only takes one team. So that's, you know, regular listeners have heard me kind of... Uh, Hint uh, pretty loudly that I was a little worried that we might be in a similar situation last time he was up for free agency. But with this settled, I am very, very happy.
3: Sure, I'll just add, I am pretty sure this deal has a trade kicker. Does that sound right? Yep, it yep nods. Um, So he's looked after if, for whatever reason, he doesn't end his career in Boston. Um, and it's a safe number. Uh, we've seen older players decline quickly. Um, But you know what, what Blake Griffin is offering to the Celtics, if that's what Horford gives in the next two years, that'd be great. And he's far from where Blake Griffin is at with respect to Blake's knees. Anyways, um, also in the world of news, Neil Long uh, eventually uh, dumped Emeidoka and kind of called out the Celtics organization. I don't think we want to cover that. Um, I will say that I have heard rumblings from uh, people, magazine type of Publications that there is more to come. So maybe we'll cover it when that more comes up. Anyways, um, more interestingly, Rob Williams seems like he is very close to returning. Woj the other day said 10 to 12 days. So that makes nine to 11 days, I think we're at, or eight to 10, depending on <laughs> when that report was. Anyways, Rob's going to be playing basketball for the Boston Celtics in the next two weeks. We don't want to talk about the impact so much of that because you all asked about that a lot in the mailbag, so we're going to cover it a lot this episode. But um, Dr. Quinn, emotionally, where are you at with that news?
1: I think that this whole thing is as poorly as it looked to start uh, has been handled about as well as you could hope for. I think they are treating it the right way. And God help the rest of the NBA because...
0: Alex? Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm happy to hear that Rob is on the verge of returning. I think the thing that I really want to stress is just like, no rush, man, take as long as you need. You know, the Celtics are rolling right now. I think, obviously, they're a better team when Robert Williams is healthy, but no rush, no need to panic. Like, if he's ready to come back, by all means, bring him back. But
1: And speaking of Blake's knees, uh, they've been really functional uh, when he's had some time off and then gets to kind of, you know, be the starter he always had been in the past.
3: Yeah, between Rob, Blake, and Al, if the three of them can combine for two starters worth of minutes, that's pretty good um, for their health histories. And also uh, Celtics seem to be doing well no matter who they put on the floor. So let's remind ourselves it's December and let's hope everyone stays healthy. Speaking of, it's December. I didn't know this, uh, but it says on our notes that there are rumbles of uh, Marcus Smart's All Star candidacy. Oh yeah, Um, yeah. Someone threw in there. Did you Um, did you come up with that or someone reporting that?
1: No, uh, no. John Corrales has been talking about it a lot. Unlocked on Celtics. Uh, I've heard a couple other people either writing about it or or hearing about. it. I can't remember which, but uh, it's mostly coming
0: from. Well, it's, it's mostly coming from the internet. It's mostly coming from Twitter. Um, I I will say, you know, listen, Celtics Twitter campaign pretty hard for Marcus Smart to win defensive player of the year last year. And then it ended up happening. Um, These things all star in particular is very often a media driven thing as much as it is anything else. And I don't think it's crazy to think that Marcus Smart has played at a, close to an all-star level at this point. He doesn't he have the score. He has played
1: absolutely. Yeah. has I mean, he, he doesn't, doesn't get. Rewar- he- he's not doing the the things that are rewarded for an all-star, like the defense, the passing, uh, the not shooting above your role kind of a thing. But he's doing everything right this season, and Maybe. If he can go ahead. Uh, Well,
0: as I said on the last podcast, you know, if Drew Holiday can make an all-star team, then I see no reason why Marcus Smart can't. I think the biggest thing that will prevent him from doing that is the fact that uh, the guard position in the East is particularly loaded. And in some cases, Marcus will have to compete with some of his own teammates who are putting up pretty monster numbers there. Um, But, you know, all it takes is one guy twisting an ankle a couple of weeks beforehand. I I think there's definitely a chance.
3: Yeah, a team winning 80% of its games usually has more than two all-stars, but I, I think you're absolutely right. I think the only way it happens is there is enough uh, voting pressure that the coach ends up feeling like they have to add him or Alex, unfortunately, to your point, maybe there's an injury, but it's it's going to be like Zaza, Pachulia, and Kyrie Irving for like the the starting point guard for the Eastern Conference all-stars or something, because it always is, Um but I hadn't really thought about that. I like that a lot. Let's put a pin in that and maybe do a whole episode on it because that's pretty good. Good job, Internet. Um, finally, oh, Matt Ryan cut by the Lakers, but off to Minnesota. We're all rooting for Matt Ryan, I, I'm sure. So good job, Matt Ryan. And finally, in the interest of news, it's a biggie. Brittany Geiner is coming home. Might be home by the time you hear this. But let's not make light of how very serious that situation was and how really emotional it is for that community, the basketball community too. But let's make light of it in a different way. You guys have here is could Joe Biden be a good NBA GM? No. What current current (laughs) NBA? Not with that kind of relationship with a union yeah, he can't stay up. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I won't
3: say I think anything it would, else. This is a basketball podcast, but he could stay it. up for the West Coast games, anyways.
0: Um, what I, current... I think it would be a tough one. There are other presidents who would be a worse GM. But...
3: True. True. <laughs> yeah. um, what current NBA GM would be a good president? Hmm. And you can't pick Brad, obviously.
0: I mean, Brad would be the pick. I don't know. Um, I'm. I don't think Daryl would be a particularly good president. I feel like he no, doesn't. He, have to he'd run for, it.
3: unlike Andrew Yang's party uh, or that thing. Yes. Pop Popovich he's not the GM. He's yeah, the GM. Pa- yeah, yeah he true. has
1: GM powers though so. Y- you know, here's okay. here's what I'm
0: going to say. I think that a big part of being the president of the United States is projecting an image management. And I was going to say like, Blanca, yeah. <laughs> being a personality as much as anything and to that end, there's no GM uh in the NBA currently who does a better job of projecting himself to be something that he is arguably not than Pat Riley. Um Pat. I mean, Pat Riley's, <laughs> here's the thing. Pat Riley is a great GM. He's really good at his job. But the it's whole true. like Italian mob boss persona that he's adopted despite being an Irish guy who was a basketball coach and is in no way connected to any sort of like nefarious criminal element, anything like that. Like Pat it's Riley- just a product is a, of
3: the seventies, I think. He,
0: he, is a, he is a master of controlling the narrative around Pat Riley and also being good at his job. So I would say- president Pat Riley for me. I mean, the dude modeled
3: for Versace. He's got my vote. Okay. Uh, Let's spend no more time on this and and get to the mailbag. But we got to talk about how the Celtics have been playing the past five games. Um, Tatum went for 49 against the Heat. Um, They've had some uh, tough games against Miami. They looked great against Brooklyn. And then they just blew the barn doors off of the Phoenix Suns. Yes, those Phoenix Suns. And they're still on the road. They've got some tough matches ahead, including a finals rematch on Saturday, I believe, against the Warriors. Just quickly, because I want to get to the mailbag. How are we feeling about this road trip? And I'll tell you, I'm feeling good.
0: Yeah, feeling really good. I mean, anytime you get off to a 3-0 and start in a six-game road trip, you got to be pretty pleased with that. The thing that stood out to me the most, though, is that even in the absence of Al Horford, Um, the Celtics defense is looking vastly improved from what it was at the beginning of the season. And I think actually a huge part of that has been the play of Blake Griffin, who has Mm -hmm. come in, he's been, you know, asked to kind of be the main big man, at least in the starting lineup with Horford gone. And he's really reinvented himself now as this defensive minded energy guy, he gets rebounds in traffic. He's been switching well. I feel like he and Marcus have established a pretty good dynamic on the defensive end. He's drawing charges. He's just kind of being a nuisance. uh, And he's scoring enough as an offensive player to justify playing the amount of minutes that he's getting. So I think, obviously, like the main reason the Celtics are rolling is because they have the best duo in the NBA now in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, both playing at all NBA levels. But um, Blake has been a huge part of their defensive resurgence, and it's having me look even more ridiculously optimistic about where this team could be headed.
1: Yeah, They are now both top 10 in offense and defense uh, and with a historic offense uh, on the top of that. They are a very scary team. Uh, There were multiple times in the Phoenix game, which I predicted a win for in our group chat. uh, I would have been a moron to have predicted a 45-point lead, 27-point blowout. Uh, But it happened, and it didn't even look all that ridiculous, right? I mean, they pulled the starters for almost the entire fourth quarter. Uh, Like, this team is deeply profoundly impressive with how well they're playing from top to bottom. As you said, the the two stars on the wing are really driving the success, but there are no weak spots on this entire roster. Even the people who cannot breathe off the bench to see an inch of time when they actually do get on the court, they play within the system. They don't play differently. They look interchangeable. I mean, we had like Noah Vonley, like looking like he would be totally fine other than as you know necessary uh fouls on screens uh this team is really really impressive and there is no one that i am like you got to get rid of them Mm -hmm. i i there were there were points in time and i I just want to get this out there where I was really worried about the front court. And I thought that we were going to have to do a big trade that would almost certainly have to involve Danilo Gallinari. Uh, not because I wanted to trade him, but because I thought it, there's just no way this front court is going to hold up. And it has done more than hold up. It is one of the best front courts in the entire league. They had neither of their two starting big men from the, the finals playing against the Suns, the best team in the West. And they still kicked and crap out of them. So, I mean, what, what other analysis can we do that isn't just like, perpetual back padding you
3: know not that I'm complaining no it's um it's getting to that point where you know it's it's December and a lot of the you, you want to end every article every podcast with and we'll wait and see because now it's like no one get hurt uh keep rolling and we'll see you in the spring because this team it's great to beat the Suns by uh 27 points but it all, it all matters what happens in the playoffs. And this team looks so ready to win the NBA I'll, title.
0: I'll, I'll push back just a little bit on that before we move into the mailbag in that I am actually a believer that the regular season does matter, particularly when it comes to um, securing home court advantage throughout the playoffs, which the Celtics are potentially uh, in the driver's seat to do. Not potentially, they're very much in the driver's seat to do that if current trends hold. And also the regular season is a time where habits get formed and teams' identities really come into play. And this this does matter for like the way that they compose themselves during the playoffs. I, I think that there's a lot of stuff that's kind of happening in the midst of this dominant stretch for Boston that actually indicates um, a a high degree of confidence in future success. The way that they're moving the ball, the way that they're gang rebounding as a team and like really regardless of matchup, even with situations where like they're clearly getting uh, significantly outclassed in size you know, thinking about like last night or against the Raptors' gigantic lineup where they're just playing like a bunch of six, eight, six, nine wings and every position, you know, the Celtics, I think, are doing a nice job forming habits that will pay dividends in the playoffs. Now, obviously, there's a certain point in the regular season where you do want to prioritize rest, you want to prioritize health and being fresh for that playoff run. But historically, if you look at the teams that win the NBA title... More often than not, you'll find that a lot of them have pretty strong starts to the season, where they set those habits early and where they secure seeding advantages in the postseason.
1: I blame LeBron and, to a lesser extent, extent, Tristan Thompson.
3: I would like to see the Celtics play the Bucks before uh, I really go nuts. Although, I think that. They would handle the Bucks. Um, incidentally, the Celtics play the Bucks on Christmas and then on Valentine's Day. And then on March 30th, which I just looked up, is uh, International Doctor's Day and Celine Dion's birthday. So, three holiday matchups against the Bucks this year Christmas, Valentine's Day, and Celine Dion's birthday. Okay, let's do an ad read. And then at long last, our holiday, wonderful, very good mailbag giveaway will begin. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting for football and basketball this season. You always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. It's always your continued source for sports wagering information, and Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and golf games and events. Head to betonline.ag today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use our promo code CLNS50 to receive those rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. So we went on to Twitter and we asked some of you wonderful people listening, hopefully, to give us some questions that we could talk about. When we bribed you, we said we would pick one of you and we would send you a nice hat, a Celtic City Edition hat. Um, which incidentally I might go in for myself. They're pretty cool. So what we did was we let that marinate a bunch of people reached out Uh, kind of an overwhelming number of people. It was really, really nice to connect with people that way. Um, And we've compiled them here. I'm going to guess, if not guarantee, we won't get to all of them today. Um, And in fact, we'll do like a mini part two sometime soon. Um, We might even write about some of these rather than podcast about some of these, but for the next i don't know 45 minutes half an hour whenever we run out of gas we'll answer as many as these as we can we want to give everyone time we want to respect that you gave us your time so we'll answer as best we can um and soon enough we will reveal the winner we want to let you marinate a little bit longer so um the winner is out there we've decided the winner i know who it is alex knows who it is Justin knows who it is um, but you don't, know, you have to listen a little bit longer uh, a lot of these are close to repeating themselves, but we appreciate them so much if we you know, talk about the same topic more than once. That's because we love you, not because we are not organized. Ready? Um, we'll we'll keep things brief enough. But um, again, we want to give everyone a breathing room. Uh, mostly that was a cue for Alex and Justin. Number one from Corey, Corey Waldron. Good looking guy, I see. This, I won't. I know Corey. I will never editorialize whether or not you are good-looking people. I promise. The Celtics are off to an incredible start. Corey says for this this success to be maintained, is it simply about staying healthy, or is a trade needed to solidify this roster? Thanks, Corey. Um, Alex, you go. Uh so
0: hi, Corey. Nice to nice to hear from you. Big fan of uh, everything that's going on at Lockdown Pacers. Um, lockdown Pacers. Sorry, Full Access Pacers. Scratch gotcha. that. Um, regardless, Hit your even so. Um, the Celtics are off to an incredible start. And for them, I would say staying healthy is definitely more important by leaps and bounds. The Celtics are, you know, rolling it to the best record in the league. They're bringing back Robert Williams. Like a trade is definitely not needed for this squad. But I will say if a trade is there for the squad that is open and that is at a low cost that could give them even more of a chance to secure banner 18. I don't think they should be gun shy about it. Um, I think Brad Stevens is as always very prudent. He tends to read the market and move in silence. Um, You will not hear about a possible Celtics trade in the media, on Twitter, anywhere. It will happen when you least expect it. And it will be based on Brad Stevens track record as a GM in all likelihood, a very good trade for the Celtics. Um, I would not bet a ton on that happening this season just because of how well they're playing and the fact that bringing Robert Williams back in kind of mid-December is in effect their trade deadline. But mm-hmm. if there's an opportunity for the Seas to upgrade their roster in a significant way, I wouldn't be shocked if Brad Stevens pulls the trigger on something involving that Gallinari salary and, uh, you know, other kind of flotsam and jetsam throughout the roster. Um, the thing that I keep coming back to is that the Toronto Raptors in 2019, when they won the title, they made their home run trade in the offseason for Kawhi Leonard, but um, they didn't have to necessarily, like they were playing well. They were the two seed in the East at the time, but they traded for Marcus Gasol. And in, in you know, in a, in a move that I think a lot of people at the time thought, is, do they really need to do this? They are, they're looking pretty good. They traded for Marcus Gasol and he ended up becoming a pretty important starter for that team and being a huge part of why they ultimately won the finals that year. So I wouldn't rule it out. I don't think it's particularly likely just because of how well they're playing right now. And I do think health is way more important for this team than making a trade, but it could happen.
1: I don't have too much to add to that. It was very comprehensive. Uh, But I do think the two are connected. If the health doesn't go well, then we might see a trade most likely on the wing or in the front court. I don't think we have a guard problem.
3: Now to that end uh, with with respect to, you know, Peyton Pritchard or, big, smooth or whatever, they're not like a a long-term part of your future. If you can take that and a first round pick, this is the year. Um, So if, if the right person is out there, I think.
1: I disagree. I disagree. I think they can be a part They They shoot and they shoot well, and they're not, they're not a negative on the other end of the court. But I do not know what I mean. They're not going to
3: play themselves. Yeah. They're not going to play themselves into being a starter in two years with respect to them. Um, Whereas uh, Marcus Hall. Stop
1: answering future questions.
3: Oh, is that one of them? Okay. Uh, okay. Let's go to the next question. Thanks, Corey. So this is from uh, at Celtics highlights on Twitter. My question, when Rob returns after he gets acclimated to the style of play, do y'all think Joe starts double bigs with Al and Rob or manage both of their minutes roster balance? Do you think one of them joins the second unit? If so, Ooh, I'll go first. Um, I think yes is the answer to that question. I think that the best part about the Celtics team is it can do a lot of things, um, and so against the Bucks, I think they will start double bigs. Against the Nets, I don't. Um, I think that this offense is ridiculous, and it's largely ridiculous because it's leaning into a small ball push the pace mentality. Um, but I don't think that that means put Rob on the bench for just let him play ten minutes a game. So I think. There are big teams out there that play big that the Celtics are ready to rock for and can even set the tone that way. Um, But I think that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And so moving fast is nice too. So at Celtics Highlights, uh, I think it's probably gonna be a little bit of both. Um, and I think Joe Mazzulla has shown so far that he's the kind of coach that can get that kind of buy-in from his players, which is way easier said than done.
0: I largely agree with you, Cam. I think it's gonna be a matchup-based
2: thing. I do think...
0: you know, obviously Al Horford is not going to be playing back to backs for the foreseeable future. And I do think they're probably going to be slow walking Rob a little bit. The thing that I keep hearing about Robert Williams is that the knee is looking okay. It's the fact that uh, he is not up to NBA stamina right now. Like he he just can't run at the level that is uh, quite necessary for like high level NBA games. So I think there's going to be a world where Rob might come off the bench to start just like in his initial return in the next whatever days um, until he gets his win back. I do think that by the time the playoffs rolls around, I would be very surprised if the Celtics are not rocking with the double big front court to start games off. And again, you know, matchup base, I think does matter a lot. If they encounter a team that likes to go small, there's a chance that Derek White could be the guy that jumps in and they could continue to bring either Rob or Horford off the bench. But I think Opening night of the postseason for the Boston Celtics, you're gonna see Alan Rob starting in that front court.
1: Yeah, I think it is going to be matchup dependent as well. I do think that there is going to be uh, kind of the inverse of what we saw. Some people kind of thought that they were going to take a lot of losses and play low minutes early in the season. Uh, and Missoula actually kind of flipped that logic on its head and racked up some wins early in the season. So I think we're going to see a lot fewer minutes played, particularly double big minutes, uh, just to give the court guys in particular some rest because they tend to be the end of the roster that needs the most care, most bubble wrap,
3: shall we say. Sure. Justin, I'll stick with you for this next question. Um, And it's also related. How do you think Joe will mess with, this is from Ricky. Thanks Ricky. How do you think Joe will mess with the lineup once Rob comes back? Surely his minutes will be restricted in the beginning, but someone will get less once he becomes a starter again. I don't know who Shirley is, but Justin, what do you think?
1: Fully airplane joke. Um, I think that we are going to see Cornette become uh, Blake, and we're going to see Blake become Noah Vonley, basically, in terms of minutes. Uh, And, you know, that's not bad, you know, because uh, invariably someone's going to turn an ankle, someone's going to get sick, someone's going to get COVID, and they're going to come back, and it's going to look more like it is now in terms of the rotation. But, I mean, other than that, what we were just talking about in terms of of how they're gonna play the rotations like big or small. Uh, I think that the flexibility of this roster was one of the focuses in the way they assembled it. And I think that's gonna lend itself to scaling up and scaling down as, as need requires.
3: Sure. Alex, Johnny Thundersticks wants to know, our offense is so great right now because we have five guys who can shoot the three and spread the floor. With Rob's return, I think people are noticing a theme here. Obviously, he helps the defense out tremendously, but do we see a huge decline in our offensive numbers or would Rob's defense even it out?
0: Uh, I do not believe that the Celtics will see a huge decline in offensive numbers. I think there's going to be, as there always is with, you know, kind of working new players into the rotation, there's going to be a little bit of growing pains, just getting familiar with one another and making sure that Rob gets back up to game speed. But I don't get the sense that it will... Uh, like they might, they might come down from their unbelievable historic pace. I still think there's a pretty good chance that the Celtics will continue to be one of the league's top offenses. And I think that in large part has to do with the fact that Robert Williams is a really good <laughs> offensive player. I mean, yeah. despite the fact that he is not a shooter, he is an elite rim roller. He's a great screen setter and he's an excellent passer. You can play five out lineups or four out lineups with Robert Williams in the dunker spot and still get a lot of open looks. And the main reason that I'm not super concerned about the Celtics offense with Rob is that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown just have been providing so much pressure on defenses. You really can't sag off on those guys for even a second. And now that Tatum has become not only a dominant scorer and passer, but a a sneaky elite screen setter that sends Mm -hmm. defenses into a complete state of panic, When he's doing that, I I don't see a world in which Rob tremendously impacts that because if you like just kind of going through the X's and O's, if you're in an off in a set where let's say you have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Robert Williams, and two shooters on the floor, who are you going to help off of? If you have Robert Williams at the dunker spot, that is an immediate lob for, you know, one of those incredibly violent Robert Williams dunks. Um, if you sag off on Jason Tatum while he's setting a screen, that's an immediate drive to the hoop. And he's been finishing at a ludicrous pace this year. Um, all right, you try and double Jason Tatum on the screen or prevent, you know, him from catching the ball and getting in rhythm. Guess what? If Jalen Brown's bringing the ball up, he's going to go 90 miles per hour at the rim. And if you cover all three of Jason Tatum, Robert Williams, and Jalen Brown, You've still got Sam Hauser, Derek White, Grant Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, all of these great shooters that are, you know, shooting at like near in the high 40s in all of their three point percentages. And if you're you're giving them a wide open shot like that, the floor balance of this team and the fact that they have so many guys that can hurt you in so many different ways. I just I really would be surprised if Rob slows that down significantly.
1: Yeah, if you heard my comments about uh, Rob becoming Luke Cornett, that was not just in terms of minutes. It's also in terms of style of play. They're running a very similar actions to what we will be seeing from Rob when he returns. So if the answer is how is it going to change, it's really not going to change. There's going to be more Rob minutes and maybe more, he's going to be a bigger part of the offense because he's more reliable and because he shoots 70% from the floor from the dunker spot. So, I mean, that's not going to hurt your offense.
3: Yeah, incidentally, Luke Cornett, of being the tallest American NBA player of fame, uh, isn't that, hasn't been that good of a shooter. So he's not, he is very, he does a good poor man's Robert Williams. If you squint, it's really just, you know, the lob threat and surprisingly good at blocking. So Johnny Thundersticks, I think we think the offense won't change too much. Um, Laura Verdi, I hope I'm saying that right. Wants to know how will Rob Williams return, uh, impact the rotation, one thing that i really want to see is i don't know that this is going to happen i actually think that um, we'll see rob start or play nearly starters minutes i wouldn't hate seeing him play almost exclusively alongside Malcolm brogdon for a little bit because that means he'll be coming in presumably with the second unit and that two-man pick and roll game could be really interesting especially with um shooters alongside whether it's uh big smooth or pritchard so Um, Laura Verdi, I think that we think that the rotation will look a lot like it did last year, Um, maybe a little less shortened because there's more guys who can hoop. But um, I am interested in what Rob Williams could do with the second unit because Malcolm Brogdon plays on the second unit. And um, we've obviously never seen them play together, but I think there's something there. Um, All right. Also, in the vein of the rotation, Bailey Zappi enthusiast wants to know, do you think Hauser, Cornette, and Pritchard stay in the rotation once the once the team is fully healthy? Let's do this. Um, Justin, you make the case for Hauser. I'll make the case for Cornette and Alex, you make the case for Pritchard for sure. staying in the rotation. How's that? Um, since I made this up, I'll go first to help you buy some time. Um, so Cornette will stay in the rotation because Al Horford and Blake Griffin are gonna need to take some days off. Um, I'm not wishing injury on them, but it's not likely too. to happen. Yeah, Rob, too, for that matter. Thank you. Um, Cornette is tall. I don't I don't know if you know this. <laughs> tallest American player. Fifth tallest in the league. Um, he can block a shot. I mean, he he looks a little doofy. He's not your go-to guy, but he's been a really integral part of the best offense in the league. He's not a throw-in on the rotation like I think some of us maybe thought he was going to be.
1: I feel um, like he needs um... – uh, what's the guy who plays for Memphis, uh, Lithuanian guy, Valenciunis? He needs a Valenciunis beard. He's always got that Valencia shadow. Yeah. He needs for the he needs Pelicans the now,
2: but...
3: <laughs> uh, but whatever. Yeah. Uh yeah, Cornet, yeah, first of all, Cornet I think I saw online someone said he looks like your starter player in NBA 2K where you haven't unlocked any of the gear. Um he does need some gear, but I would hazard that Cornet will stay in the rotation uh reasonably consistently because uh, the the big guys are kind of older, but also because he's kind of earned it. Okay, um, Dr. Quinn, you are explaining why Sam Big Smooth Hauser is staying in rotation.
1: I mean, it's not very difficult. Uh, He is a walking human fish hook uh, on the defensive end of the court. People assume that he is going to be the easy person to target. And eventually they're going to figure out that he's not. But as long as it keeps working, uh, he's going to have a place on that end of the court. And if you are a top 10 three-point shooter in the NBA, you are going to be on the floor, even
3: if your defense is very bad. And it's not. It's not. And Alex, uh, why is Peyton Pritchard going to stay in the rotation?
0: Um, Peyton Pritchard is going to stay in the rotation for two reasons. The first is because um, the guards in front of him are going to miss a few games. Malcolm Brogdon doesn't play on back-to-backs and they're trying to keep him fresh for the playoffs. And we all know that Marcus Smart is inevitably going to hurt himself doing something at some point. And Peyton Pritchard <laughs> will play in whatever that absence looks like. Um, Marcus will be back by the playoffs. Have no fear, everyone. Um, and because you hear the occurrence. I- yeah, no, it, it just happens. Um, and then the other reason that Peyton Pritchard is going to stay in the rotation is because Peyton Pritchard is going to force his way into the rotation. That dude is good. I mean, he can come in for eight minutes and you know, hit two threes and get a layup. And suddenly that's an individual eight point run that you just brought in. He is a human microwave scorer. And I think particularly as the season drags on and more and more guys, you know, take time off in particular, like prepping for the playoffs, Pritchard is going to be given some opportunities to get run. And when he's been on the floor this year, he's been really effective, particularly with a lot of these kind of five-out lineups where there aren't any people that you can sag off on. Like Peyton Pritchard is a good player in a one-on-one matchup situation or in a catch-and-suit situation. Like, I I just think he's going to force his way onto the floor.
3: So this question, um, so incidentally for that question, thank you, Bailey Zappi Enthusiast, one of us is probably wrong. I don't think all three are going to see the same minutes that they've got. Um, so one of us is probably wrong, but who's to say? Uh, but anyways, that question is a good enough segue to reveal at long last the winner of our contest or giveaway. Um, truly, all of your questions were really good. And we we did this at random. This was not with respect to our winner, all the questions were equally good. Um, but we selected this question as the winning question. So in a moment, this person should jump up and down and they should reach out to us on Twitter or you should tag them on Twitter. Amy E. Ford wants to know, is it ever going to make sense for us to give Peyton Pritchard significant minutes? And if not, what could be potentially trade for him? So first, Amy E. Ford, shoot us a DM on, or we'll come find you eventually. You've won yourself a very nice hat. Thank you, everyone, for participating. We're not done with our mailbag, but that's your winner. Thanks for listening. Um, and Amy, I think that Pritchard could indeed um, be traded. He has a pretty easy contract, and then he makes $2.2 uh, $2 million this season. It goes up to $4 million next season, so a little complicated to move. But then whoever has his rights has his rights, so he become a restrictive free agent, which is a helpful thing for teams to have. As Alex alluded to, I, I do think that he's a pretty valuable guy for the Celtics. Um, there have been some playoff series where he has been a defensive liability and that's been really obvious. And I'm a little weary of six foot tall defensive point guards or defensive liability point guards, um, but he's tough as nails. The guys like him. They can shoot um, and he knows the system very well. He can run the system. So in terms of injury assur- insurance, I wouldn't trade him unless the right thing came about. So there, there is kind of something lame about this, Amy, where it's, you know, if he's going to average 10 minutes a game from here on out, maybe, you know, cage birds need to sing and we should let him go and spread his wings or something, but that's not really how that's going to work. I think Justin almost just shook his head so hard as next snap. Um, so Pritchard is probably only going to see significant minutes as needed, uh, but I do think there would be a market for him. Um, easy enough contract and proven guy enough.
0: If you're going to trade Peyton Pritchard, it's going to be in the off season. I yeah, think at exactly. this point yes. bar, barring somebody throwing a ridiculous offer for Peyton Pritchard, something that just like makes absolutely no sense. And I, I kind of get the feeling that if you were to trade Peyton Pritchard, the most likely like thing that you would trade him for is not a player, but draft capital, um, you know, the Celtics have burned a lot of first round picks lately, getting guys like Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon and Al Horford in the fold. And I think we all agree that all of those trades are worth it, but, um, you know, I, I just don't see a lot of paths to the Celtics trading Pritchard this season, unless somebody ahead of him gets substantially injured to the point that they feel they need to make a move to replace that player's, uh, minutes, but The you know, the deadline and the deadline often features some action, but definitely not as much as the offseason. I think that's kind of been trending that way for a while now. And it takes two to tango. And I'm not sure there's a lot of teams out there that are currently looking up to give looking to give up rotation players for Peyton Pritchard at this time. It strikes me as much more of an off-season move than a deadline move.
1: Yeah, there's been some, shall we say, trends of talking about how great it is that we did not trade Jalen Brown and or Jason Tatum but if you think back a couple seasons before that started there were people pushing to trade Jalen Brown for the same reason and you don't trade a promising player who is developing, unless there's a good reason, as you were just describing. So unless something like that comes up, uh, we're not, like those of you were saying we need to do a Masala. No, we do not, or they do not, uh, to not be a complete homer. Uh, in in the situation where something makes sense, absolutely. But, you know, NBA players are under contract for a team to play for them and to do the things the team needs their contract and them to do. And that's his job. And Peyton understands that. He's being a consummate professional. I'm sure he's not happy about missing time, but it's fine. I don't think we need to worry about it too much. Uh, I think that if it does happen, as Alex said, it's going to be in the offseason at the soonest. All right, well,
3: Amy please reach out to us on Twitter. Other people tag Amy on Twitter and we will make sure that you get yourself a nice hat. We'll do a few more here, um, but certainly we have a lot more on our list. So we'll, in the next few episodes, do a mailbag part two, although we probably won't give away any more hats. But maybe, I don't know, if we get a lot of new subscribers from this, uh, maybe we will. So let me read through a few. Um, We'll move a little quickly here, but we thank you all for... Turning these in. These are great. Um Crazy Ace 45 wants to know, and I think we we kind of answered this already, Crazy Ace. How much of a jump do you think the Celtics defense will take when Rob returns? Do you see uh foresee any hiccups with his return? Um I don't think we have used the word hiccup, but I guess yeah. Um, I kind of hope there are some some growing pains because it means that they're trying new things and integrating new things. Um Alex alluded to this off the jump that autopilot during the regular season isn't necessarily the best move. Um, so integrating in a, a key starter, the third or fourth best player on the team, um, there probably should be some hiccups. Um, but they also have played with Rob before it's not a brand new player. So some guys are going to get fewer minutes. Maybe we haven't really talked about this. Maybe Grant Williams sees less playing time. Um, so there will be some hiccups, crazy ace 45. Um, And certainly bringing back Rob Williams would help any defense. I would be very surprised if that's not the case. Although to Justin's point, if the Celtics, by the time he returns in two weeks are already, you know, number two or three in in defense, it might be hard to improve on that. Who knows?
1: Yeah. I think actually the defense might dip a little bit before he comes back. And for me, what I think is going to happen is it's just going to solidify them in the range of a top 10 defense, which is totally fine.
3: Yeah. So uh, a couple Quick hitters. This was totally random. So if you if you want more of our thoughts on your particular question, you don't think we did it justice. Shoot us a message, and we'll give you a fuller answer. Um, this one from Celtics files: Will Celtics continue to utilize Luke Cornette when Rob comes back? I'd hate to see him be used similarly to the way Pritchard is, where there are a few DNP coach decisions in between games when he gets on the court. Um, Celtics files. I do think that's that's headed your way. I mean, you have the fifth. Tallest NBA player, the tallest American, and in your employ, you're going to make sure he sees action. But um, Rob Williams is probably going to eat some of those Cornette minutes, if I had to guess. Okay. Yeah, no, I, so. I think
0: that's pretty likely at this point. Cornette is a good player, and I think that, honestly, I think there's a chance that we could see Cornette play like in the postseason, given kind of how well he's been playing lately. Um, he will obviously get run when Rob and Horford sit. Um, But, you know, at the peak of this Celtics team's powers, it's going to be Rob Williams, Al Horford, Grant Williams, and potentially a little bit of Blake Griffin getting most of that run.
1: Tice without the fouls.
3: He's such a cheap shot at Tice. We love him. It's better than Tice. He's a lot better than Tice. (laughs) Taller, too. I don't know if you've heard. Uh, Jared Zero, uh, underscore NBA, my guy, Jared. How much of an effect do you think Brogdon has on setting the settling the team down when they fall into bad habits? I love that question. Uh, It seems like very much. So Um, there have been a few cases, Jason and Jalen have been both uh, been a lot better about handling the ball and handling their business, but they're not perfect. And there have been a few games specifically in the second or third quarter where Brogdon either scores on or assists on like 10 straight points um, and really takes the pressure off the Jays. Really gets the rest of the bench going. So, um, I I don't remember a specific time where I, another player's waxed poetic about Brockton doing this, but I think the proof is in the pudding. And maybe I missed that interview.
1: I, um, just let me let me yeah, just throw ahead. this one out real quick. Uh, I think the the frame of the question is actually wrong. I hear that I've heard this a lot and it's true it absolutely does he does settle down the 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 team quite a bit and i don't think it's that he's settling the team down i think that he's defining roles better for marcus smart and marcus smart doesn't feel the need to do what he does sometimes when the team is not settling down and he kind of tries to take over Mm, Um,
0: the other thing to mention about what it means by settling the team down is that um The reason that I think Malcolm Brogdon settles the team down more so than his kind of calm demeanor or his high level, you know, point guard play or floor vision is because Malcolm Brogdon is a bucket, folks. Malcolm Brogdon is shooting nearly 50% from three this year. He gets buckets whenever things break down, whenever plays fall apart. Jason Tatum gets doubled and, you know, it's on the wrong side of the floor and there's not enough time to pass open and get back into like a beautiful set offense that Joe Missoula loves to run. He can just kick it to Malcolm Brogdon and Malcolm Brogdon will take the ball and put it in the damn hoop. That's why Malcolm Brogdon settles this offense down. He's just a baller. This
3: dude gets buckets. So we'll do one last one. Um, And then if you didn't hear yours, it's because we are going to, read it on maybe next week's episode I don't think we've d- decided but we'll do another mailbag soon um so if you didn't hear yours today it's coming or you might see it in print on USA today's celticswire.com uh, we happen to know a few people who write for that website and um I'm gonna I picked this one to end kind of selfishly I' got to see the uh, the uh, Cirque du till like Christmas tonight so I picked a Christmas one it's another Rob question uh Lucas Frich, I hope I said that right. Wants to know, will the offense elevate, elevate with the defense when Rob Williams comes back and he is, Lucas is saying that he's coming back Christmas day against the bucks. So let's end uh, not just talking about Rob. I think we've established what he'll do for the offense or the defense, but a little preview for the Christmas game. Um, I feel like I've talked first for the next few. Anyone want to go first? JQ, okay, You got this. Okay.
1: I have a theory about this. I've heard some people talking about how it would be an undue risk, and I vehemently disagree. Yes, you do not want Rob to be colliding with Giannis uh, charging down the lane. Absolutely. Giannis is not going
3: to play the whole game. Play him in the non-Giannis minutes. Or play him in the Giannis minutes. I mean, part of the Rob's story here is that he's been conditioning. So much of what we heard from Missoula is the knee's fine. He's getting himself into shape, so I actually don't have concerns uh, that he's going to hurt himself more than like any other healthy NBA player. I have concerns that he might be too tired to play thirty minutes, um, but I'm I'm not thinking you know he's like coming in off crutches and they got to keep him in bubble wrap. It's going to be I, one of his
1: first games though. And he's going to still be on a minute limit, so like if he's going to be playing ten or twelve minutes, then just have most of them be when he announces. Sure, the floor.
0: sure, yeah. I think I'm just a little bit concerned, more concerned about this than y'all are because of uh, Giannis's play style, which is so aggressive. I mean, I call him the halfback dive merchant for a reason because so much of the Bucks' offense ultimately comes down to give Giannis the ball with a head of steam and let him just plow into people. And I don't think that NBA refs have learned how to call Giannis, and I frankly don't think they will ever learn how to call Giannis. So I'm a little bit more concerned than y'all are. Um, if it were me, given how, how well the, given how well the Celtics have been playing without Robert Williams, I would be happy bringing him back for one of those nice relaxed chill Orlando magic games uh the week before Christmas and then maybe giving him a breather on that game I, I'm fine with him playing on Giannis but I'd rather have him play him in the playoffs
1: I like how it's... we ha- kind of have like run the spectrum of of how to use him
3: um I didn't think about this as this a new thing I want to bring to the fold is that on December 23rd the Celtics host the Timberwolves um so the Boston's big men, actually, in order, um, they start a homestand on the 16th, two games against Orlando, one against the Pacers, and then one against Minnesota. It's going to be big man-centric a little bit more than, you know, the average stretch of games. So I guess I could play into it. I'm not going to hazard a guess as to what it means, but it does occur to me that the Celtics' bigs are going to be um banging with some of the best of them in the games leading up to that milwaukee game
0: as the world's preeminent rudy gobert hater i'm fine with rob playing against the timberwolves
1: (laughs) he (laughs) doesn't have that same kind of physical style of play he's he's very long but he's not going to beat the crap out of you
3: yeah all right that's a great place to end some unnecessary shade (laughs) at rudy gobert (laughs) Uh, to to recap amy e ford thank you for your question and please reach out, uh, or we'll reach out, and yeah, you're big winner of our big giveaway. Everyone else, thank you, thank you, thank you for um, your questions, your time, your follow, your retweet, um, your listen, your like and subscribe, your, your comment, and your well wishes, more generally. Um, Make Tootsie Roll Geno time! Oh yeah, that too. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you, you just... Look at it on Twitter. We'll write about it for Celtics Wire. Um, for the folks who didn't hear the questions, they again, they really are coming on another podcast or in print. We appreciate them. We're going to use them. We're not ignoring them. Um, we're not popular enough to turn anyone away yet. Check back in next year's hat giveaway, I suppose. Anyways, like and subscribe. And if you haven't, check out Divine Sweater on TikTok. If you haven't, check out Celtics Wire on with the internet. If you haven't,
2: and uh, we will catch you next week. Adios.